This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lally here with Matt Williamson. And Matt, uh, we have a special edition of The Drive today. Yeah, this will be good. Uh, our friend uh, friend of the show, Stan Saverin, uh, has been uh, doing some interviews with some uh, Steelers past, as he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did this, these ones for uh, Steelers.com. And uh, one of the guys that he caught up with uh, recently was James Ferrier. Yeah, boy, interesting career with Ferrier. I mean... He- very early pick of the Jets, I think by Parcells yeah. at the time. Yeah. And led the NFL in tackles one of those years for Parcells as an outside linebacker. And so he and had they that kept, Timmons edge. They kept changing inside too. outside with Ferrier and never could figure out what they wanted to do with him. And then right. he comes to the Steelers as an inside, inside backer guy to and, stay uh, and yeah. really shines. Yeah, um, you know, we talked a little bit uh, earlier in the week about the Hall of Fame monitor. Yeah. Uh, if you look at, uh, at Ferrier's career, um, he comes in right below Sam Mills, who's been a finalist the last couple of years, and just ahead of uh, London Fletcher, Okay, who was also on the Hall of Fame Both list. really good careers. I don't think any of them are Hall of Famers. And yet Ferrier's gotten right. very little push for the Hall of Fame. Sure. I mean, you don't even see him on any list, period. I mean, I'm not suggesting he should even be a finalist, but you would think the his, name should be out his there. His problem was he played at the same time as Ray Lewis. Mm. In and the same conference as Ray Lewis, and I even felt like he got overshadowed by some of his teammates in Pittsburgh. That, too, that, yeah, that, you know? that as well. But he was a very good player for a long time for the Steelers and uh, uh, part of those three Super Bowl teams. Right, but, uh, that that kind of matters. It's funny that people don't talk about the Steelers about going out to get free agents, but there's been a couple key key ones. Yeah. You know, the really well spent buying low on a guy that with a high high ceiling like Farrier. Yeah, you know, smart. So uh, let's uh, let's give a listen to what uh, James Ferrier had to say with Stan Saverin right now. Hello, everyone. It's my great pleasure to welcome in one of the great Steelers of all time, one of the greatest Steeler linebackers of all time, a Steeler captain and an inductee into the Steelers Hall of Honor. The great James Ferrier joins us now. James, how are you? Thanks for being with us. I'm doing well, Stan. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, let, let's go back. Let's go back, way back, almost, I hate to date you or myself, nearly a quarter century ago, a lot of players, they get nervous about getting drafted and maybe they're day two or maybe they're day three. Um, whatever suspense there was for you in 1997 was over rather quickly when the Jets took you with the eighth overall pick. Yes, uh I still remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I was in the war room with uh, the rest of the players that were uh, supposed to be selected in the first top of the first round. And the waiting game, it, it didn't last long. It was probably a wait. I waited for about 30 minutes. And, you know, if you've ever watched the draft and you see that first round, guys can wait in there for hours and hours and it could take all day. And it's a very frustrating experience. But for me, it was exciting. It was over in 30 minutes, and uh, the rest is history. 
yeah, some guys are poor guys. They put the cameras on those poor guys, and you, you just you certainly yeah. feel for them. Um, you know, being a guy from a smaller town in Virginia, how'd you feel about going to New York? Oh, I was man, I was so excited about it, and uh, I really didn't know what to expect. I knew it was a big city. I I'd never been to uh, New York before, and you know, it was one of those things where you know I was looking forward to it, and you know, hoping everything was going to work out great for me. Your four years in, in New York, um, you certainly didn't enjoy the success there individually or team-wise as you ended up having in Pittsburgh. And I've always wondered, James, was part of the issue they had you as an outside linebacker, and yet when Kevin Colbert signed you, they moved you not immediately, but initially um, after that inside. Uh, was that a whole new world for you when you played inside versus outside linebacker? Yeah, I think that uh, affected my play a little bit. And I'm not going to say that's the only thing, but, you know, I felt like I, for me to play the best that I could play, I needed to be off the ball and reading instead of always just instant reaction and instant, you know, being on that line of scrimmage, you, you have action right away. And uh, I was a player that tried to, you know, think a little bit more and, you know, want to see and react to things a, a, little, uh, for a little bit more time. What was it, as a free agent, you had other opportunities and options, uh, what was it about the Steelers that um, made you decide to sign with them? They were coming off an AFC championship game, unfortunately a loss to the Patriots. Uh, was it the winning tradition or just the opportunity to play and perhaps move inside in a 3-4? Uh, it was actually the only opportunity that I had. You know, Coach Coward, they extended an offer to me and that was pretty much the only thing that I had going for me at the time. And my agent, Ralph Sendrich, he was uh, he was leaning towards me signing with Pittsburgh. And he had a lot of good things to say about the Rooney family. And one thing that he told me that stuck out with me, he said that this is a loyal, uh, a loyal, uh, loyal, loyal owners. And if you do well by them, they will treat you right. And he, everything he said came true. Well, Ralph was a Pittsburgh guy. He would know all about that, uh, certainly understand uh, the connection. Um, what was it playing for Bill Cowher? Uh, you know, he had um, you know, been around about 10 years by the time you came on board. Uh, would you classify him as a player's coach? Uh, how would you describe playing for you know, a Hall of Fame coach, Bill Cowher? Uh, he was a great coach. He definitely sided toward the players. I never really heard him. One thing that I liked about him, he yelled at the coaches when the players did something wrong. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite part about Coach Cow. He would be so upset if anybody did something wrong. He wouldn't really yell at the players, but he would get on the coaches. And that's one of the things that stood out to me about Coach Cow. But, I mean, what a great coach and what a great career he had. And he had a lot of good players behind him. Well, that old Pittsburgh thing continues on. I might as well ask you while we have a chance to talk about a parallel. Um, you won and played for Super Bowls with two different coaches. Um, can you compare and contrast Bill Cowher with Mike Tomlin? Uh, they're a lot more similar than uh, they are different. Coach Tomlin has a similar style of coaching, although he does yell at players more than he does the coaches. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would say that, you know, they both are uh, centered around just having an atmosphere where the players uh, feel comfortable. And that's one of the great things about both of those coaches that I like. 
Well, the first couple of years you were here, James, uh, weren't great years for the Steelers, made the playoffs um, uh, the one year and beat Cleveland. Uh, you lose the AFC Championship game to the Patriots, and I'm wondering when you did win the Super Bowl in 2005, was the loss to the Patriots in 04 a motivating factor in winning the Super Bowl in 05? Uh, I don't know so much if it was motivation, but we always want to win a championship, and that's the Steelers. I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do every season. So, I mean, coming up short the year before, we got so close, and we felt like we had a great opportunity to reach the Super Bowl, and we didn't. It was more just a frustrating feeling that we didn't finish the deal. It's often been said that teams have to learn how to win as a group, and I'm wondering if that was a factor. You had the experience in 04 and that unbelievable season. You're 15-1. and You'd beaten the Patriots earlier, one of the great games ever played at Heinz Field. Um, and I'm wondering if that didn't help galvanize you, although uh, it should also be mentioned, of course, that in 05, you were sitting there at 7-5 and five and just a long shot to make the playoffs. I think one of the things you said, uh, you said winning helped us uh, out. I think losing together helped us out more than winning together. I think what we went through when we lost that uh, championship game, it was really hard, hard for us to swallow, and it was very frustrating. I think that really uh, bonded us together even more. Take us inside uh, the locker room. You're sitting there at 7-5, and five, and you know you're probably going to have to go on a four-game run. There was that memorable game where, against the Bears where Jerome ran over Brian Urlacher. People still get excited seeing that. Um, where yes. were you at at 7-5, a team that was expected to win, but here you are on the outside looking in? We, we tried to stay laser-focused and just tried to hone in on what we needed to do and take it one game at a time. We were... Our backs were against the wall, and any game that we lost would put us out of the playoffs. So our playoffs, Coach Coward, I think he mentioned that, that our playoffs were starting the next week. And if we wanted to make it to the real playoffs, then we had to win one game every week. And, you know, I think we took that one-game approach at a time. Do you think that actually being in playoff mode actually helped you once you did get into the playoffs, beating Cincinnati, and then the memorable game against the Colts and, and certainly against Denver? I mean, do you feel being in that playoff mentality helped you once you actually got into the playoffs? No doubt about it. I think that that very uh, that helped us out tremendously. I think that carried us, you know, all the way to the championship. I, we were in playoff mode from week 13 on through, and uh, you know, each when we got to the playoff games, it was like, yeah, we're ready to roll, and we're we're just we were hitting on all cylinders, and everything was going how we needed it to go for us to win the championship. I have to ask you about that Indianapolis game. Uh, you had two and a half sacks. You guys were all over Peyton Manning. You took the lead, and then of course Jerome's fumble, Ben's miracle tackle, the missed field goal. Uh, is that as big emotional roller coaster inside one game as you've ever felt? No, no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, we were celebrating after we got our, uh, I think it was a fourth down stop to on the goal line, and we got the ball on the goal line. So as we were walking off the field, waving bye to the fans and, you know, cheering ourselves on and 
we thought the game was over. There's only a minute left. We got the bus in the backfield. So, you know, this thing is over. And as we were taunting the fans, we just started hearing cheering, just a loud cheer. And we all turned around and saw Harper running with the ball. And we were like, oh, no, <laughs> what's going to happen? And Ben made one, probably one of the greatest plays in Steelers history. I have to say that. And I mean, I know we had a lot of great players and a lot of great plays, but that was probably up there with one of the best. And uh, after he made that play, I got the defense together. The defense ran out on the field, and I was stand, uh, standing in front of Coach LeBeau, and he was still in the shop. He was still in a, in a little bit of shock. And I was like, Coach LeBeau, come on, let's go. It's time to get to the call so we can go win this game. And uh, he snapped out of it and called some great calls, and we ended up. Uh, they ended up missing the field goal. Well, Ben's one and only tackle ended up being a really big one. Should have made hey, him an honorary member of the defense with the, with that one because that guy might have gone uh, all the way. What a what a game yes. that would have been. Uh, the Super Bowl in Detroit. Um, just take us through uh, you guys organizing, unbeknownst to Jerome, having him run out on the field at Ford Field all alone. Uh, I think that was Joy Porter's idea. He was our he was our William Wallace, I, I always call it, I like to say. And uh, he definitely came, he came up with the idea of having Jerome. Well, first he came up with the idea of getting uh, Jerome Bettis Notre Dame jerseys for all the team so we could wear that on our uh, our trip to uh, Detroit. And I think before we got there, he had mentioned something about having Jerome go out in front of, before everybody, being his hometown, probably might be probably being his last game. So we wanted to make it real special for Jerome. And, you know, he's one of the big reasons why we were there. Made him forget that fumble. I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure. Oh, yeah. He will be we forgot much, all about it. He'll remember much more of that. The other thing that I remember about that is I was there all week, as you were. You guys were in Pontiac um, practicing. But Steeler Nation just overwhelmed the city of Detroit. And it was like a home game. Typical Steeler Nation behavior, right? Oh, for sure. You know, any anytime you can get a game where the fans can drive to the game, then you're going to get a big turnout. And uh, Pittsburgh wasn't that far from Detroit, and a lot of people came out, and we were very happy to see that the crowd was definitely tipping the scales for Pittsburgh. Undoubtedly. I, I know the ultimate goal for any athlete uh, is to win a championship. Um, and maybe this is an obvious question, James, but was that the highlight of your career, winning that first Super Bowl, or was there something else maybe along the way that was more meaningful to you as a Steeler? Uh, definitely the championships. I mean, that's what we play the game for. And, you know, we all, you know, try to do our best and get, you know, play as best as we can. But the team goal is always going to be winning the championship. And, you know, that's the crowning moment of my whole career both of those championships. Well, let's go to the second one. Um, can you compare and contrast? Was one more meaningful to you than the other? Uh, I think the first one, just because it was the first one, and it's the first time going through that experience, I think that was a probably more special than the second one. The second one, we kind of knew what we were going to be dealing with. We knew how to prepare, and it felt like we were veterans going into that second one. 
Well, certainly one of the most exciting Super Bowls ever was San Antonio Holmes winning catch. But before that, I have to ask you, and I've asked guys who were on the field during the Immaculate Reception, where were you and what were you doing when James Harrison picked off that pass in the end zone? I was behind James Harrison uh, in the end zone when he caught the ball. And when he caught it and started running, we all, the whole team just started running and everybody was trying to pick up a block. And at, from my vantage point, I was uh, in front of Anquan Bolden. So I was just trying to block him out of the way and slow him down because I knew he was fast and he might could catch him. And uh, I remember him pulling me by my uh, my neck brace and pulling me down. And I was really mad about that. <laughs> I still haven't forgiven him for that, but it's okay. Uh, arguably the greatest play in Super Bowl history, and he had to score because the clock had expired. Otherwise, and that's the, he that's steps what out I was of bounds with nothing. Whole, that's what I was thinking about the whole time. I was like, he needs to get out of bounds. If we only have a few seconds left, we need to try to get a uh, kick a field goal. And that's all I was thinking about at first. But then when the time ran out, I was like, oh, man, he's got to score now. Like, this, it, I mean... All of that for nothing, and we we can't let that happen. And he he made one great, I mean, one hell of a play. And uh, the rest of the guys that that were there blocking for him, they they also contributed. And uh, like you said, it was one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history. I've looked at that tape, and it seemed like every other member of the defense, uh, all ten of you, in addition to James, got a block on somebody. I remember Ike running down. I mean, everybody, uh, Troy, oh, yeah. everybody uh, got involved. Um, and that, that 08 defense was special. A lot of people began to compare it to the Steel Curtain years of the 70s. Uh, was that 08 defense in particular, James, the best one that you played on as a Steeler? Yeah, I would say so. That 08 team was really special. The defense was uh, we were really good that year. And uh, I definitely think that was probably my best, probably our best, our best uh, team we had. Well, you talk about the honor of you know, being a champion. One of the things that stuck out to me uh, in 2005, Super Bowl winning team, your teammates voted you the MVP. Uh, and I wonder in all the honors you've gotten if that one isn't maybe most meaningful because it was voted on by your teammates. Oh yeah, anytime that you get an award that uh, your peers get a chance to vote for, it's definitely something special. And it's definitely one of the most special uh, moments in my career. Well, they voted for you not only because of your play, but because of your leadership. And I know that no one sets out and said, okay, I'm going to be a leader now. Uh, but you were, you were a quiet guy. Although if you play with Joey Porter, comparatively, everybody's quiet. But you're a quiet guy, you've always been that way. Um, and, and you exerted leadership. Did you do it consciously, it just come naturally to you? Uh, I think it just comes from just the experience I had. I think my first five years with the Jets, uh, it showed me, it gave me the blueprint of what I looked at, looked up to the older guys. So I had guys like Mo Lewis, Brian Cox, Vinny Testaverde, Curtis Martin, Aaron Glenn, those guys like that around me, uh, a very veteran group. And uh, they showed me what leadership was and I was able to, kind of carried some of the, the lessons that I learned from the Jets and just carried on over to the Steelers. And, you know, by the time I got to the Steelers, I was, you know, more mature as a player. And uh, 
I understood what, you know, what the heartbeat of a team needs to be like. And uh, definitely having Joy around helped a lot. He, he taught me a lot about being a leader. And uh, it was just one of those things that I never really focused on trying to be a leader. It was just something that came out naturally. Well, it's often been said that, uh, you know, teammates form bonds, but especially when you've won championships together. Uh, and I wondered if you have been able to maintain a lot of those relationships now that you've been retired for about 10 years. Oh, yeah. We have a, a couple of group texts with like 10 to 15 people on each one. And uh, we all definitely try to keep up with each other throughout the year. And we we do a couple of Zoom calls every now and then to just make sure everybody's doing well. But like you said, it's a special bond when you win a championship with a team and the players that you bond with is, is something that carries on for a lifetime. And I, I asked that question because I know that you have reached out to some current Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Black History Month, and you've been involved in programs. Uh, I'd like you to explain uh, what exactly your role has been, how you got involved, and what you're accomplishing. Well, uh, I talked to some players about, uh, it's an online banking app, it's called Goal Setter. And it's to help uh, kids get financially uh, learn, learn how to save money, learn how to be uh, financially uh, fiscal, and just something a tool for kids that that they can use later on in life to help them be more successful. And I joined up with uh, the Steelers and having kids setting up kids uh, with a savings account in their names and giving them forty dollars seed money. Uh, towards that account and it's just a banking app that teaches kids uh, financial literacy and teaching them how to be better people when they're not only be consumers but to be investors owners entrepreneurs and have that type of spirit did you organize this yourself james are you one of the pioneers or is this a national football league project i didn't organize it and it's, it came from an investment group that i'm a part of Sorry, I have a visitor. <laughs> Get him and, on that bank app. Yes. And so the the founder of the uh, banking app is Tanya Van Court. And she she approached uh, our investment group. It's another visitor. <laughs> <laughs> she approached us with, uh, with the, the idea of the banking app. And my wife fell in love with it. And I fell in love with it. I thought it was something that could really help kids out, especially under our black and brown kids. And it would be an opportunity for them to, you know, learn how to educate themselves. And it's a fun banking app that kids can, sorry, <laughs> that kids can really uh, get on there and learn, learn in a, a fun way about financial education. This almost sounds like this was scripted. You have your kids come in. We're talking about Kids, yes. I, I know that you've gotten guys like Zach Banner involved and Stefan to it and, and Will Allen. So you're, you are making a connection with members of the current Steelers team. Yes, I talked to those guys, Zach and Stefan, and they were on board with it. We, uh, we had Tanya. She did her pitch with those guys and they loved it. So I'm glad that they're, I'm excited that they're on board. I'm glad that we're all going to be a part of it. I've also uh, reached out to Max Starks. He's going to be one of our founders. Hold on, kids. We can't play that. 
I've reached out to Max, and I'm probably going to try to get everybody that I know on the team, from former players to new players, everybody in between, to just try to uh, make this thing as successful as possible. Now, last thing for you, James. I'm glad we got a chance to see uh, part of your family. You know, you alluded to this very early when we began our discussion about one of the reasons you wanted to come to Pittsburgh. Um, and I've recently read some comments from current Steeler players and former Steeler players with the unfortunate passing of, of uh, Mrs. Rooney, Dan's wife, Pat. Uh, and they all said it really is a family atmosphere with the Steelers. And I wonder if you indeed did feel that as Ralph Sindrich promised you, uh, not only the Steelers, but the city of Pittsburgh, but the Steelers as a family type of organization, including the players, coaches, owners, and even the fans. No doubt about it. It was definitely a family atmosphere. And, uh, you know, it's some very sad news when we got the news that Mrs. Rooney passed away. And uh, I felt probably the same way as I felt when Mr. Rooney passed away. Uh, she was one of those people. She was always around. She was always upbeat. We ate dinner with her on Saturdays at the hotels. So, you know, we spent a lot of time around those, the family. And, you know, I'm sure the players still do spend a lot of time around the family. So it's, it's definitely that type of atmosphere. And it's something that, that makes this team successful. And special, as you are, such an integral yeah. part of uh, two of the Steelers Super Bowl championship teams and now a member of the Steelers Hall of Honor. James, can't thank you enough for your time today. It was great catching up with you, great chatting with you, and I'm sure all of our viewers appreciate it and our listeners as well. Thanks so much. That was James Ferrier, former Steelers inside linebacker. Uh, I'm with uh, Stan Saverin. Uh, yeah. The video version of that interview is up on Steelers.com, by the oh, way. Cool. You can also see that on the Steelers official YouTube channel. So ah, you, can, okay. you can watch that, that little interview as well that uh, Stan did with James Ferrier, who uh, to me was the heart and soul of uh, some of those Steeler defenses uh, You know, in, in the in the 2000s you and others often say that and back then i was just a, a fan of the steelers and you know paying attention to them from a national perspective you know wasn't as close to the team but you know we had pouncey retired today it sounds like farrier was he very was much that, he was kind of that guy that yeah. mold. you know he was the hammer you know the, yeah. the guy you had to answer to the the joe green you know i mean i'm sure that there's some strong examples in steeler history and he should be right there amongst them yeah he, he really should and so uh uh, good to hear from James. Always good to, to, to catch up with him. Uh, very well uh, thoughtful guy. Always was good in the locker room mm -hmm. as well with that stuff. So, um, But that is going to do it for this edition of The Drive yeah, on one. Steelers Nation Radio. We uh, once again ask, uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to yeah, our, our channel. Get, on that. Uh, get those things downloaded right to your phone or whatever you listen on, whether that be your tablet or, or whatever, yeah, in the car. Uh, but uh, for my partner, Matt Williamson, for Jacob here on site, I'm Dale Lolly. We thank you for listening to this edition of The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio.